Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16 and break this passage together and uh, like bread of life, break it together, enjoy it and allow God to work in our hearts. I so appreciate uh, your willingness to um, be in this place and to give attention to the word. And I, I truly believe that the greatest days of Grace Baptist Church are ahead. I believe that. And uh, there's a couple of reasons. I believe because uh, as I see in all of you a growing um, desire to receive the word and to just get into the word of God and, and let God's word speak. I see that. But also I see the, the winds of persecution coming. And uh, so that means God's church is going to be refined and who knows what God is going to do with uh, this, this lighthouse. And as we're faithful to him, uh, I believe that the Lord is going to use us. And I'm also thankful tonight that, as we talked about this morning, um, that we don't, we don't have to uh, concern ourselves so much with the, the laboring. We have to concern ourselves with the getting close to Jesus, with Jesus. And it's from that being with Jesus that the labor flows. And so if I could just encourage you, um, when you start getting exhausted and tired in, in serving the Lord, just remember uh, you might need to get close to him, get alone with him, find that secret place, and be with him so that you can labor from, from that. The labor flows naturally from being with Jesus. And uh, that's the type of labor that we want. Uh, we don't want coerced labor. We want that labor that flows naturally from our relationship with the Lord. And so that's what I want as a pastor. I don't want coerced, coerced pastoring. Um, I want to enjoy this. I want to enjoy because it's something the Lord has called, uh, called us to. And so you say, Pastor, how long are you going to stay standing? I didn't intend to say all that. So here we go. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter uh, uh, 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Here is one of those, uh, those places where I wonder about the chapter division. Now, we remember the chapter divisions and the verses are not uh, inspired. Uh, they were put in there to help us locate and all be on the same page, okay? So here we are, uh, here's a chapter division that we wonder about because it flows right into the next. He's talking about the Word of God. And then Paul says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. <laughs> Just kind of an interesting word picture there. <laughs> uh, having itching ears. Verse number four, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And uh, perhaps not the greatest break uh, tonight in our passage, but it is uh, nonetheless, that's as much as we're going to be able to deal with in, in one message. Uh, Paul goes on and encourages them off of what he just says now, um, but we're going to just take this part and preach a message entitled Preach the Word. Preach the Word. And that's what Timothy was called to do. Each one of us have a calling in that, a responsibility to that, a responsibility to be in a church that does that. And so let's ask God to help us and uh, teach us tonight. Father, thank you for this church family. Thank you for what you are doing. Sometimes, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful when you just kind of pull back the, uh, the curtains, if you will, and, and allow us to see uh, what you are doing. And I thank you for tonight that you've, you've allowed us to see some of that. 
And Lord, I pray that no matter what, no matter what the results are, that we would remain faithful to you, that we would uh, be about your business, that we would be about being with you. So help us tonight. Would you guide us uh, through this passage of Scripture, and would you nourish us and strengthen us with it? In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Paul is coming to a climax here, uh, really, in, in this second book of Timothy, the second letter. It's just a letter. Uh, he is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. Uh, he's known him for somewhere around 27 years uh, since he picked him up in Lystra. And since he had come to the Lord and been discipled there within the, uh, the church there at Lystra that Paul had been able to set in order. And so now Paul is in the Mamertine prison. He is at the end of his, end of his life. Uh, he's facing that judgment, that, that uh, sentencing that we uh, talked about this morning where no one stood with him, but the Lord stood with him. And he's writing all of this to his son in the faith uh, with, with all, all this context around him. This, the, death, uh, the death is out in, in front of him, no doubt. He would be put to death. And so he's, he's awaiting all of that. And he comes here in this, in this fourth chapter really to a climax, uh, if you will, of this of this letter of where he exhorts Timothy in a pretty strong and powerful and solemn way on what he needs to be doing and in the task he needs to be taking up. And he is going to remind Timothy, like he did in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And so he's talking about the day that Timothy was ordained or all the, the, the preachers that were uh, there and the, the men of God that were there uh, recognized and affirmed the call of God upon life and said, hey, we believe this man has been called of God for the gospel ministry. Paul, you ought to take him. Paul taking him along. And, and what a wonderful time that that was. So he's, he's hearkening back to that and, and really just, again, uh, emphasizing to Timothy, you need to be about your calling. You need to stay focused on this. And we have all these problems that go, are going on. There's In the last days, perilous times shall come, chapter 3 and verse number 1, and men shall be lovers of their own selves. And it's going to get worse and worse. And there's going to be those that subvert the truth, like Janus and Jambres, and they resist the truth. They're men of corrupt minds. Timothy, don't don't um, bother about it. Don't, don't get yourself sidetracked about it because their folly is going to be um, uh, and be made openly manifest and, and it's going to be uh, to their shame. And so you need to just stay on, stay on being faithful and uh, stay on following the example that I've set down for you. And he reminds them in verse number 15, from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures. You've known it. You've been taught it by your mother and your grandmother. Uh, to the point of what Brother Grant was saying a moment ago, we need to make sure that we're teaching our children, despite the, the home context. Remember, Timothy had a home context where dad was not saved. And his mother and grandmother so taught him that when the Apostle Paul came along, uh, he was ready to, to receive the Word of God and perhaps had received it earlier on, but he was ready to go to the next step. And their work with uh, Timothy had prepared him for that, that next step of God's call upon his life. And so he challenged them, hey, remember that from a child you've known this. You've known it by experience. You've understood it. And now he gets down to verse number 16. All scripture, and he starts to preach some doctrine to us. Starts to, to give Timothy some bedrock to stand upon and, and something that he needs to know if his ministry is going to go forward. Listen, we have nothing to give if we don't give the word of God. We have nothing to preach. We have no opinion amounts to anything. And so Timothy was going to be given, and, and, and really Paul was going to underscore the fact, Timothy, it is the word of God that you must give to people. It is the word of God that you must give to the folks there at Ephesus. And so all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Paul begins to remind Timothy of the lofty position of scripture. And uh, it's been devalued in our day, hasn't it? It's been devalued in our churches. Um, I, I, sometimes, I sometimes think as we, we come to church and why I just mentioned a moment ago, I appreciate your, uh, your reception to the Word of God. You're listening to the Word of God. So many of you writing, uh, writing notes and, and even asking questions afterwards. Uh, guest speakers came through even through Mission Weeks and says uh, the people here at Grace are easy to preach to. That's a blessing. That's a blessing, but not in every church is, it, is there the valuing of the Word of God. 
And even the way that, you know, sometimes people get in church, you know, very rarely do I ever, uh, ever see our, our congregation, you know, uh, kind of getting shifty and, and, and feeling like we want, we want to move on. We're done. We're done here, Pastor. We just want to move, move on. I so appreciate that, that heart to receive the word of God. We need to put it into practice. I so appreciate that heart to receive the word of God. And, and it, 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 does, it does cause me to, uh, to fear as I look around at America and, and look around at Christianity and just the devaluing of the word of God. Well, that's your opinion about the Word of God, or I, I don't know about the writings of Paul, whether they're really, uh, they were really meant for us today. I don't know about the, uh, the Old Testament. You know that there's a preacher uh, who's, whose dad's preached the Word for many, many, many years, a guy by the name of Andy Stanley that uh, stood up in front of his church and, and said that we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. We need to unhitch from the Old Testament. You talk about, you talk about, you talk about a, a devaluing of the Word of God. Why was the Old Testament given to us, friends? Bible tells us specifically it's given to us for in samples. Now, it, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Question, what was Paul talking about here? He certainly was. The New Testament had not been written. Friends, to devalue and to cut out the Old Testament is to cut out a part of the word of God that God said was given to us by inspiration. We got a problem when that's going on. And so what's Paul doing? He's going to elevate the lofty position of the scriptures and underscore the fact that, Timothy, that's what you are to be lifting up in the community. And it is the, the church of the living God that is a pillar and the ground of truth that is to take the truth of God's word and elevate it in the community. The community needs to know it. You know, we have something we need to pray about. We have many new leaders that are going to be coming into this community and perhaps in your community as well. And they need to know that there's a gospel preaching church that stands on the word of God. They need to know that this is a place where the word of God is exalted, but also lived in our lives. And they need to know that Paul is going to emphasize to that you need to realize that the scriptures has a lofty position. We are all sub, uh, subservient to scriptures. We do not we do not judge the scriptures, the scriptures judge us. And so here he, he um, brings out the fact that the scripture is prominent. And I want you to notice that in verses 16 and 17, the prominence of the word of God, the prominence of the word of God. Why? Because it came from God himself. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Just the kids, good and loud tonight, I want every kid to say it with me, say that with me. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. One more time, kids. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we'll work on that maybe on some more Sunday night. We'll, we'll keep on working on the kids responding back like that. That's, that's great. All scripture, it's given. There's no book like it. You, don't, you can go into the bookstores and you're not going to find a book that has on the, on the front, uh, author, God. Now, some might claim that, but there is no book in the world that has the same author as this one who is written. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, someone tell me, what does uh, inspiration, the word inspiration mean? What's that? Oh, breathed? So God breathed. God breathed. All right, everyone hold your, hold your hand in front of your mouth. All right, just like this. And I want you to say your name. Out loud. Say your name. Okay, do you feel that breath? Okay, there's the idea. It came from the mouth of God. It came from the mouth of God. You say, where did all the authors come into, into, into play? We'll get to that in a moment, but it came from the mouth of God. That's what we must understand. It is a specific revelation. There are two types of revelation. There's general revelation. That is, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice of God is not heard. The general revelation of creation says, and, uh, says the, uh, there is a God, and the general revelation of of creation also declares that as there is a God, you're also accountable to that God, Romans 1 in verse number 20. But the specific revelation is the word of God. And also as we come into John chapter 1 and verse number 1, we find that that is Jesus Christ himself, the specific revelation of God. He himself is the living incarnate word. And so this came from God. And some people wonder uh, if what we read today is true. You might read in a newspaper or a magazine. You might read an article on, online and you wonder, is this true? And the reason we wonder if it's true is this, that man, we, we've all, all too many times, we have been deceived by man, mankind. It's been twisted. 
And we have right to wonder if an article or a news story is true if it's written by man. But we do not need to wonder if it's written by God. We do not. Think about this. Uh, in Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 4, God is truth. He's a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. John 14, 6, Jesus is the truth. In 1 John 5 and verse number 6, the Spirit is truth. The Spirit of God is truth. And in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. It's truth becomes, um, because it comes from God, the Father, God, the, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, who is very truth. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It is absolutely true. It is true because it comes from a God who is true. Uh, David Cummins, the man I took... Uh, took Baptist history under, he has since gone to be with the Lord. Does anyone remember Brother David Cummins? Uh, you talk about, you talk about, guys, you talk about uh, sitting under a fire hydrant of information. Uh, he writes this day in Baptist history, he wrote this day in Baptist history, which are Baptist history uh, devotionals. You can get them over in the bookstore. And a phenomenal teacher. But uh, he, would, he would say this about every class time in this booming voice that he had, truth is eternal. Truth is eternal. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. And so, yes, the word of God is eternal. Many have tried to destroy it, but it came from God who is true, and therefore it is truth. And as light chases away darkness, so the truth puts error to flight. And that's something that we need to remember as people who walk in the truth, that in this day, though the world is against the truth, it came from God. And if we'll just announce the truth, it puts error to flight. It exposes error. Why are people so afraid of the word of God? Yeah, it, 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 puts, it puts their air in the open, in the open, and it exposes it, and they don't want it. They don't want it at all. And so we must continue to, to realize it came from God. Now, other, other books claim that they are true, but have glaring errors. If, uh, errors. if you remember when, uh, when um, uh, I had him on, uh, on my, my mind, that young, the young missionary to the Muslims was here, and, and I'll remember it. I'll remember it at some point. No, the, uh, the young missionary, the Muslims. But, uh, well, the Stell Cups are, are there. But that, the guy we just had a couple months. If you're watching this video, I'm very, very sorry. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy. Okay, uh, when he was here, he gave us that book that his pastor had given him out of Australia, Questions for Muslims. But one of the things, if you read in there, uh, he brings out the different errors that are inside of the Quran. And one of them is uh, their statement in there, many scientific errors. Uh, but one of the glaring errors is, is uh, the statement that the, the, the Quran says that the sun sets in a spring of water. Uh, and so Muhammad was asked, you know, where does the sun set? Where does it go you know, in the afternoon? And it, it sets in a spring of water. And he goes down through there. But there's so many different scientific errors that are in, inside of, inside of that, that book. You know what's amazing about the Bible? Science keeps finding out that the Bible was true. The Bible was true. Uh, the flat earth, we talked about, uh, about that, but it, it underscores that the Bible was true. Why is there all these, these layers and fossils? Well, there happened to be a worldwide flood, right? And why is there the Grand Canyon? Well, there happened to be a worldwide uh, wide flood. And, and so we just understand that the Bible came from God. It is absolute truth. But also notice God used holy men of God to write down, to be the penmen of the Bible. Not, not the authors in the sense that it came from their minds, but be the penmen. They were working for God. Second Peter 1 and verse 20, write that verse down. Knowing this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. It's not up to man to interpret. This is from God. It's, it's supernatural. It's from, from God. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were, here's the word, moved, moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit superintended this process, moving along people like Paul and moving along Isaiah and moving along Jeremiah to write down, to, to pen the very words of God for us today. And so we're thankful for that. And so as you think about that, God used 39 different authors over a period of about 1,500 years on three different continents via three different languages to write down the word of God. And isn't it amazing that it all blends together? Now, how is that possible if it does not have one author? Praise God. 
praise God for the, the unity of the scripture and all pointing to one author, that being God. Now, here's something that's always intrigued me. How is it that you know, Isaiah has a little bit different flair than Jeremiah? Jeremiah is known as a weeping prophet, but Isaiah, uh, Isaiah has the, you know, his own little flair. What about the guy Haggai? We talked about this a couple of Wednesday nights. He's more of that fiery evangelist, but then you have, you have Zechariah that's more pastoral and not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And over here, um, Haggai's preaching a message and saying, hey, you've stayed in your houses too long. Get up and build God's house again. And he's kind of preaching at it like that. And, and, and it's amazing. You have these different, these different, uh, different personalities. You know what? Uh, I mentioned to you, I, I, I used to play the trumpet uh, and there's a trumpet mouthpiece, and you can get different sizes and shapes of the trumpet mouthpiece. And uh, depending on that trumpet mouthpiece uh, uh, and the size of it and the shape of it, uh, it will kind of adjust the tone of the trumpet. Maybe not a lot to a person that doesn't know the trumpet well, but it adjusts the, the tone. And, and it's like this. God breathed using a human author, uh, not, not setting aside their personality, not setting aside their, their, their idiosyncrasies and, their, and, their, and, and the way they, they would speak, but he used it, breathing it out, using that human author in a very special way and preserved their personality in the scriptures. And I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful for that. And so just as we think about this came from God, God used um, men to, to pen it and uh, those 39 different human authors. And here's the thing, God says tonight that to Timothy, Scripture is profitable to all men. Now, you cannot go to a book in the bookstore and say, this is profitable for every man, every person in the whole world. Uh, some books hit us different. Uh, some books don't speak to me. Uh, they, uh, you know, a, a book on sewing really doesn't, isn't profitable to me. Uh, maybe a, a book on cooking isn't, isn't profitable to the guys, but it's very profitable to the women. Uh, maybe vice versa. Maybe some women say, that's not profitable to me at all, but it's profitable to some man. You see, we cannot go to the bookstore or, or to Amazon Kindle and get a, a book that is profitable to absolutely everyone, but God says his word is profitable to every single person on earth. And that's an amazing, amazing book. What a very prominent and, uh, and, and prestigious book. And so he says it's, it's profitable in this way. It's beneficial in this way. In that it gives us doctrine. It tells us what is right. Now if you've never heard this before, I'd encourage you to write it down just to consider what God is telling to us tonight. Doctrine is what tells us what is, what is right. This is truth. This is what God wants us to know. It, doctrine is simply the idea of, of teaching, of instruction. And so God gives us in his word doctrine. I think of doctrine such as 1 Peter 1 and verse number 15, where it tells us that we are to be holy as he is holy. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That's, there's some doctrine there. He's, he's telling us God is holy, and he wants you to mirror that holiness in your life. And so he quotes back from the Old Testament and says, As it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Be set apart. Be separate like I am. Be holy. Be truthful. Be honest like I am. And so he gives that doctrine. He tells us, I am holy, and I want you to be that way too. And he gives us doctrine. He also, in those scriptures, gives us reproof. He tells us what's wrong. Be hard-pressed to sit through a message or read your Bible in the morning and not find something that you need to make right with God. Are you with me on that? And if we're not, we're probably not reading the Bible very well. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now think about that. There's no other book that is able to get into your heart and discern between your thoughts and your intents or your motivations. And so God's word does that. What an amazing book. It is able, it's so sharp that it is able to reprove us in that way and deal with us on the smallest issues. Sometimes I've been in a service and God has dealt with me in a, in a larger issue and other times it's just something, it's just a nuance. But God's word has the ability to do that, to reprove me, but also to correct me and, and tell me how to make it right. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He tells us this is how you make it right. You've sinned, well, go to God and seek his forgiveness. Confess it. And then he says instruction and in righteousness, how to keep it right. God is intent on us living a life that stays right with him that stays in line with him, that walks in a way that is right. And so he tells us, be angry, Ephesians 4 and verse 26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Do you know what God's telling us? Hey, I just have a warning for you. Um, 
if you get angry in a day and you don't get it right, you're going to wake up the next day and have a given place or a platform or a piece of ground to the devil to work in, in your life and to um, begin to destroy your life. So if you want to keep it right, if you want to stay right with me, you make sure that you get your anger right before you go to bed at night. Well, that's pretty great because that's what God is teaching us. He's instructing us in righteousness. So this is an amazing thing. The word of God is super, super practical for us, and we need to allow the Lord to help us with that. One more thought about instruction in righteousness. Proverbs 4 and verse 15. Avoid it. Do you know it? Say it with me. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn away. Well, that's pretty good. God tells me if there's a sin or there's a temptation, avoid it, pass not by it, turn away. I was, uh, I was sharing with somebody there on my drive from over in, uh, in Dayton when we used to live over on Carlisle Avenue. Uh, we w- there would be some billboards, more so than there are. There's no billboards on my drive here from um, where we live right now. And, uh, but there were on this one. And sometimes they would uh, put stuff up there that uh, no Christian man needs to, needs to be seen, needs to avoid it, pass not, by, uh, you know, pass not by it, and turn away. And so uh, they'd put some billboards up. And you know what? I'd find an alternate route to come to church, right? Uh, because I didn't need to be confronted with that. I knew it was there, and I didn't need it. And I just didn't need it. You say, well, are you that weak? No. Uh, the, the matter was I needed to be, obey God and, and just, just avoid, avoid it altogether. What is that? It's God teaching us how to keep it right. That's what God does. That's what the Word does. So that's why we must be in it. And so because the Bible is from God and it is true, we must embrace it as our only authority for our faith and our practice or our living. We have to embrace it, friends. Embrace it completely and not allow anything to get in our, in our way of doing that. So how are you doing with the embracing of the word of God? Is there areas of your life, listen, this is, so, this is so important. Are there areas of your life where you're disregarding the word of God? Well, it's just a small area. Friends, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so we must, we must embrace it as our only authority for faith and practice. And so the Bible's powerful and it, it is it's preeminent um, because it is coming from God himself. Praise God for that. But also, notice verse 17. It's preeminent because it changes lives. Changes lives. Now, I can think of a few books that have changed my life. Typically, they've been based on something that, um, from Scripture. So it's really been the Word of God that is driving the message of that book that's really changed me. I can think of very few books that are fiction or secular in nature that have changed my life that I can go back to and say, this, this, is the, this is the day that something changed in my life. But not true with the Bible. Now look at it. It says, verse 17, that. Why is the word of God given to us? That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Women, are you included in there too? Praise God. Praise God. So we're talking about, we're talking about those that, that have a heart for God. Uh, God intends his word. He's given us his word so that we might be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now let's just think about that for a moment. Man does not change the Bible. The Bible changes man. That's really important. And about the time that you think I'm going to change something, I want to find a different opinion on this this passage of Scripture. We just need to submit to it. Say yes to the Lord. It changes his destiny, it changes his behavior, it changes his character. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're looking at the the perfect law of liberty and it begins to change our lives. It matures us, it brings us along. And so I think back to when we were in India, I was uh, uh, talking to the man by the name of, of Sankar, and, and he was giving his testimony. He says, I, I read the Bible, and I, I, used to, I used to just tear the Bible, and I, I, I cast it away from me. I, I would tear the Bible, then I read it. And it tore my heart. It tore my heart. I'll never forget where I was when he said that. How expressive. It tore my heart. The Bible is the only book that can do that, friends. 
where it gets to the heart of the matter and it changes us. And even now, as I, as I think I get to study the Word of God, there's times where it's like, wow, Lord, that, that's amazing. I needed that. That, that adjusts my thinking. And, and really, as we've gone through the last couple messages on rest, that they have been helpful to me immensely just to consider what God wants for us. And so he says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works, that this is the purpose of God's Word, that it might change us, that it might adjust us, that it might perfect us, complete us, mature us. And you know what it furnished means? It means to, to equip. When I used to work in construction, um, our boss was known for loving tools. And so when I, when I came, and I, I did not work um, full-time all the time because I had school, um, but he would buy every tool that was needed. And so I got the full DeWalt set, you know, like I'm thinking he just loved going to the store and picking out the, you know, the wall. And boy, if he heard just an inkling that you needed a tool, he was off to the store and he'd, he'd come back with that thing. And he, he, we had a table saw, Brother Tom, that uh, we had a table saw that had one of those detectors on it so that if it even sensed your skin, it would stop like that. One of these German-made table saws, it was pretty awesome. And just some really cool equipment that, that we enjoyed. And why? Because he knew the value of a good, a good tool. What God's word does to you and I is it equips us. It furnishes us with the tools to do good works, to live out our Christianity, to serve our master from that point of rest. And so the purpose of the Bible is to equip God's people to do the work of God. That's the purpose. Why is it that we need the preaching of the word of God? Why is it that we need these times together to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry? That's, that's the, um, the idea of this this context, this gathering. So God does not call the equipped. He equips the call. And if I just want to say, uh, say something to this, to this uh, tonight as we think about this, you might think, well, I, I appreciated that, that, uh, that testimony that Brother Grant gave, but you know, I could never do that for God. Hold up. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. And it's when we start saying yes to God that everything changes. Brother Grant, I wasn't good about being in front of people. I was like my, uh, like, uh, like Jason. I, I was, I, I, I talked to a lot of people down there, but I got up here, and boy, I mean, you know, it just made me nervous as all get out. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I'm going to tell you. Uh, I'm going to be very transparent here. At one point along the line, my pastor would have us, Brother Wayne. He would have us to read some uh, some prayer prayer letters in front of the church, and uh, I just did awful with reading publicly. Awful. Um, I'd mess them up really, really bad. And sometimes if I get, I get you know, focused on that, even, uh, even now, I, I, I'll just start flubbing words and, and just messing them up. My pastor, you know what he suggested? And I actually said, he suggested, you need to go back through Hooked on Phonics. You, do you all know what Hooked on Phonics is? And uh, Miss Judy's shaking her head. You, you need to go back through spelling. And, uh, and, and nonetheless, uh, that, that was me. But you know what? God is is amazing in his ability to take us with our flaws, our inabilities, and equip us to do his work. And that's an amazing thing. We have to remember that it is his word that equips us to do what he's called us to do. Faithful is he that has called you who also will. Well, we need to memorize that verse. All right? Faithful is he that has called you who also will do it, and he absolutely will. So Timothy had to personally experience the, the preeminence of the word of God. If he was going to receive the command he was going to get next, he needed to just understand, this isn't like any other book. This isn't just a, a book of uh, information or a book of opinions. This isn't like any other book. It came from God. It has the power to change a life. And now Timothy would um, be ready to receive a reminder, a sober reminder of his call. And that was his call to preach in verse number one of chapter four. Preach the word. Verse number two. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. But first, let's look at the solemn charge that, that Paul gave to Timothy. I charge thee, therefore. I charge thee. Now, that's not a word that we typically use. Uh, you might hear it. I remember when I was ordained, uh, I remember a part of the, the service was a charge to the, to, the, to, the, uh, to the young man or whatever. It was a charge to the candidate or to the one being ordained. A charge. I remember uh, a friend of mine preached that charge, Brother Mike Cowell. Um, preached that charge, who was instrumental in me going into the ministry. And uh, he preached that, that, that solemn charge. Uh, and, and Paul had, was giving a solemn charge before God to Timothy about the ministry he was to engage in. Now look at this, this, this solemn exhortation. It, it was serious. As, as, 
as Timothy read these words, this was not just to be taken lightly. Timothy was to sit up, listen, and really regard what Paul was saying. And notice what, what Paul adds in here. He says, I, I charge you before God. I charge you before God. I charge you before the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm giving this not in the, in the audience of man, but I'm giving this uh, before the heavenly audience of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Reminding Timothy that, that Jesus Christ was going to be the one to, to preside over the bema seat of Christ and was going to be the one to call Timothy into account. As Hebrews chapter 13 says that the, that the, the, the one that, that has been called of God is going to give an account for how he has led, uh, led the church and how he's preached to them the word of God. And so Timothy was being called to realize, I'm giving you this charge in front of God. That's important. Ezekiel 33 and verse number 7, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Timothy, you have a charge. You're getting something from God that you're to give to the people. You're to do this. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul says in Hebrews 13 and verse number 7, uh, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Now notice, considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Timothy, I want to remind you that you have a, a solemn duty before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. He needs to be your goal. He needs to be your focus. You preach for the audience of one. You minister for the audience of one. And so a pastor who is called by God will sense the serious responsibility of this calling that he's been given. Timothy needed to realize that. Timothy was into the ministry there at, at Ephesus, but it was something that he needed to be reminded of. I'm charging you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice the sacred calling, preach the word. Say that with me together, preach the word. And so that was his calling. This is the specifics of it. Exactly what are you to do? What are you to focus on, Timothy? And that is to preach the word. Preach the word. It is the idea of announcing, to herald it, to declare it, to speak with authority. Now, think about this. Um, when Jesus would speak the word, and we, we saw this in Mark chapter number one, when he went into the synagogue, do you remember what they said after he sat down from reading the word? He spoke as one having what? Authority, not as the scribes and the, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Uh, where, do we, where does a preacher get his authority? God. But from this book, this is, this is the authority. So it's not that the preacher has authority, it's he, it's he's announcing the authoritative word. And so how important it is to understand that the preacher, Timothy, was called to announce, to herald, to announce the authoritative word of God. This is truth. We must walk in it together. Let's go this way, friends. Let's go this way. And so that's what he was to do. He was to stand up and he was to declare the word inside of the, in these contexts, inside of the assemblies of the saints, but also in the streets of the community. He was to declare the authoritative word of God and he was to declare the word, all of it. The word, the, um, the original word for the, the, the word word. That's fun. Uh, here tonight, really it's, just, it, it's referring to all the word of God, not just the specific words of it, but all the word of God. You are to announce every bit of it, Timothy. You are to give them the word of God. And Paul told uh, the believers there in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 27, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And then he talks to the pastors, take heed therefore. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you an overseer to feed the flock of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And so he says, listen, you make sure that you give it all. Take heed to the flock. Make sure that you're giving them the word, the whole counsel of God, all the counsel of God. C.H. Spurgeon said that I'd rather speak five words out of this book, the Bible, than 50,000 words of the philosophers. If we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. If we want conversions, we must put more of God's word into our sermons. We must get back to the word of God. Timothy was to preach the word, not opinion. Timothy was to preach the word, not, not just what, you know, um, public events and all this stuff. He was to preach the word and apply it to the, to the lives of those that had gathered. And so it was so important that he realized it is, that was the specific as what he was supposed to do. But when was he supposed to do it? 
Do you see it there? Instant, in season, and out of season. Now think about this. This word instant is kind of fun because it's the idea of standing by, always being ready. Uh, do any of you have a standby generator? No? Yes, you do? Okay. Uh, I got a generator, um, I guess, back in the winter uh, from a, a prepper that was moving out uh, back in November. He, he's, he bought it, and he was moving to, like, the Dominican Republic. He says, I'm getting out of here. And so he, he's fleeing the country, and he, he, I, I went to his place, and I, I talked to him for a while, gave him the gospel, have his, have his phone number, and, you know, still trying to, uh, you know, check in with him every once in a while. But he was a prepper, and he had this beautiful generator that he's selling basically brand new. It didn't even have oil in it yet. But it doesn't, it's not a standby. So I have to go out and, and, and cart it down there, put out the extension cords and all that fun stuff. But you know when, a, you, when you have a standby generator, the moment the power goes out, the moment there's need, it flicks on and you have power. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so that, that's awesome. That's the idea of the word instant here. Always being ready. Uh, always being ready to function in your calling. And... Uh, heard preachers say before, you need to be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. Uh, that's, that's the idea, always being ready and in place. And so Timothy was to always be on call, always be ready. Uh, this word is used when Paul talked about himself in Acts 22 and verse 20, when he stood by the, the martyrdom of Stephen, which is interesting because he was standing, he was, he was standing and consenting. He was, he was ready. He was ready to jump in. If, if a rock needed to be thrown, he would have been in. That's the idea of that. That's the idea of what Paul was, was bringing across there. And so, Timothy, you are to always be standing ready to preach the word of God when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. It's not always convenient. Not everyone is always saying amen. Right? Uh, sometimes people, you know, people say, uh, say things that you know, aren't as kind and, and, they might, and they might let you know it through an email or, or, or through a letter or something like that or, or you know, say, I, I, don't, I don't like that and uh, take challenge with it. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. Uh, when it's convenient, is, it is oftentimes, friends, honestly, inside of the four walls of a church like this where there's a heart for truth. When it's not convenient is out there in the public square where they, they despise the word of God. And the preacher, Timothy, was to be ready on the steps of the, the temple to Diana as well as, within the, as well as within the assembly of the saints. Be ready to preach the word all the time. But how was he to do it? He Notice here, he says to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Reprove, to convict, to prove, to show the guilt. Here's what the word of God says. Here's what is wrong. We need to get this right, friends. Let's do this. And he's to reprove them. And these are all commands. This is not Timothy, something Timothy can shirk on. These are commands he is to put into personal action. He has to do it. No one else can do it. God has placed him there to do this. He is to reprove. He is to rebuke, to, to admonish, to warn forcefully. If you go that way, you're going you're gonna to meet destruction. Similar to what I'm saying this morning, uh, that if we serve God, if we just make the focus, oh, I got to serve God, I got to uh, serve God, and that becomes our focus rather than being with Christ, we're going to burn out, we're going to hurt ourselves. And so Timothy is to rebuke, he's saying, don't go that way. And sometimes it means expressing some strong disapproval. Uh, sometimes it means that we're going to step on some toes, but that is what he was to do. He was also to exhort. This is the idea to encourage, to come around and say, hey, way to go. Thank you for obeying the word of God. Thank you for doing the right thing there. And with all of this, he was to do it long-suffering. He was to do it with patience. You know, a pastor like Timothy uh, was going to find at times that there was going to be people who would react to the messenger. You know that when the message convicts, oftentimes there will be a reaction to the messenger. We see that over and over in Scripture, right? And so Timothy was going to need in the ministry to do it with long-suffering, to suffer long, like Jesus did, to suffer long. But he was to do it with teaching. He was to counteract the problems that he was to also suffer through. He was to do it with teaching, with all doctrine, teaching them what is the truth and teaching them what is the right way. This was to be his his. his 
activity as the preacher there in Ephesus. And so Acts 6 and verse number 4, the reason that there was a deacon set up in the church was to allow the apostles and the preachers to give themselves completely to, the, the, uh, to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's what Timothy was to be doing, giving himself to the ministry of the word, giving himself to teaching with doctrine, to communicating doctrine. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. There again, do it with doctrine, Timothy. Isaiah 28 and verse number 10, for precept must be upon precept, line must be upon line. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Here's what the word of God says. You know, you think about uh, in a given year, a pastor could preach um, 150 times, maybe um, add another 50 times to that in uh, Sunday school, uh, Sunday school uh, situations, perhaps. Uh, so, I mean, the, the possibility for a pastor to preach somewhere uh, in between 150 times in a year or uh, and 200 is 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 a likelihood, um, and, and it varies back and forth. But that's a lot of line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching. But Timothy was to do that. He was to communicate the truth over and over and over again. So here's here's a question for you all: If the pastor, if Timothy was to do that, if that was his charge, if that is his calling to preach the word and not not come back from it, what is the calling? Or what is the charge to the people of God? What's that? Listen to receive. To receive the word. Why? Not, not because a pastor's preaching it, but because it's the word of God. It's the word of God. We're to receive it. And so the Bible tells us we don't forsake, or not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. So be in the assembly, but also, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20, despise not prophesying. Well, can believers despise prophesying? And what we're talking about there is not the predicting of the future, you know, crystal ball, and, you know, we're not talking about the predicting of the future. We're not in any way talking about that. We are talking about the, the declaring or the foretelling of the, of the truth of God's word. The ministry of the prophet was simply to take from God the word of God specifically given to him and to declare it to the people, to foretell the truth. There's no different than the ministry of the pastor on today to, to take from the word of God. It's already written down for us. We, we study it. We rightly divide it. And to declare the truth to the people. And so God says to all of his people, pastors included, when we're, when we're receiving this, this, um, the word through preaching, despise not prophesying. Undespise, undespise not prophesying. Don't, don't get in your heart a sour attitude towards the preaching of the word. And we can do that. Oh, I don't really need that. About the, time, about the time you think, I don't really need that, and go a little while without it, you'll find out that you really needed it. It's like brushing your teeth. <laughs> you know, you, you, you find if you go a little while, you, you actually need to do that, right? Uh, we need the word of God, and we need it preached to us. We need the preaching. God has promised to bless the foolishness of preaching. So Timothy was to be diligent to preach the word, to preach it, all of it, to open it up, uh, people might wonder, why do we go through books of the Bible? I don't know a better way than to be systematic with the Word of God than to go through books of the Bible. Are you with me on that? Uh, I'm not against a topical message. Um, to be honest, they're not, they're not my, for, uh, my forte. And when I say topical, I simply mean you're still getting into the Word of God. That We need to know what the Word of God says. So every message is an expositional message. What does God's Word say? Expositional means I'm exposing the Word of God. So what does it say? What does it mean? So if it's, it's arranged around a topic or going through a passage of Scripture, uh, it needs to be preached. All of it needs to, be, uh, uh, needs to be preached. And so the preaching of the Word of God is for another purpose because we go on a little bit further here, and we find that he says in verse number uh, 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, isn't that a lovely thing? So you're to preach this, uh, this, this message, but they're not going to even endure it. Are we in that day? Yeah. Now, we're talking about a, a, a cultural thing that does bleed into the church. It just a, a not enduring, not, not receiving it. And so here's the thing. Timothy was to be faithful to obey and to keep this charge to preach the word of God because the word of God has a, a, pre a preventative uh, a preventative side to it, 
Uh, there's the prevention of the word of God. What does it prevent in, in our lives? Why do we need the word of God so very desperately? Times are not going to get better. Paul's already told that. Uh, in the last days, perilous times will come. They're not going to get better. But the people of God need to be strengthened and built up by the word of God. More than you realize, something you're going to hear tonight is going to prepare you to stand for the Lord this week. Do you believe that? Isn't it interesting how, how so many times, well, I just heard that in church on Sunday. Well, is that by accident? No, not at all. And so the people of God need to be strengthened. Uh, the ministry of the pastor is Ephesians 4. Is, it's gifted to the church. The evangelist is gifted to the church. Why? So that, that until we come into the unity of the faith before our, our God, verse number 13, we henceforth be, taught, um, be, be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and by the slight of men and by cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, so that we might be able to discern what's going on in our culture and discern what is true and not true. And the job of the pastor is to declare the word so that he might prevent people from being tossed to and fro by every wind of, of doctrine. Now, there's a responsibility on our part to receive the word because you can hear the word and not be a, a receiver. You can just, it goes in one ear, out the other. We need to receive it so we're ready not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And the job of the pastor is also to do that in love, to speak the truth in love. That doesn't mean he never says anything uncomfortable. It simply means you know from his heart that this is coming from a heart, of, a heart of love. And Timothy was to do that. Now, those that neglect the preaching of the word are only hurting themselves because the word is to be preached to, so as to prevent something from happening in their lives. So we only hurt ourselves when we neglect it. And I don't know, but I, I, I really just encourage you about this matter it is so easy. When I, when I think about the fact that they say we remember about 10% of what is said, um, yeah, it's like, all right, what, what is the 10% that they're going to remember so I can give them just that? You know what I'm saying? Um, but we need to do everything we can to receive as much of it as we can to capture all that God is doing in a service in our lives to remember that. So that's why I applaud you that you, know, you, might, you might take notes, you might jot down, what is God saying to me? But I'm going to walk away with something from the word of God. Why? Because I need it. I cannot neglect it. I need this. It's going to prevent something in my life. What is it going to prevent? Number one, verse number three, it's going to prevent, uh, prevent against false teaching from jumping in or being allured by false, by false teaching. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they're going to heap according to their own lust or after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So what's happening here? They're not going to endure it. They're not going to, to, to consent to it. They're not going to give permission to it. They're not going to say, I'm going to go to church, to a church that preaches the gospel. Do you see what's going on today? Do you see what's going on where we are making choices of churches based on their programs and on their music style and on the, the level of their different programs and what kind of facilities they have Rather than, does this church preach the word of God? You know, I, I very rarely will hear someone that's coming and looking for a church that is only concerned with whether, whether the church has right beliefs and, and straightforward preaching. Very rarely. Friends, if God should move you to another city, another town, you better find a church that preaches the word. That's what you need to find. Well, they don't have a nice building. Who cares? They meet in a tent. Who cares? They meet in the woods. Who cares? Do they preach the word of God? Is there a pastor that opens up the word and preaches the word of God? That's what we need. And so it's going to prevent us from, from getting to the point where we push off and we do not give permission. As we say yes to God and we receive the preached word of God, it helps us to, to be uh, more resistant against this. You know, I'm not receiving that anymore. It keeps us sharp and on our toes concerning the word of God. Now, here's the interesting thing. Paul's main focus in this passage was on the inclinations of the audience, more so than the false teachers that were out there. So his main focus was, Timothy, preach the word, because there's going to come a time where many of them are not going to endure sound doctrine. So you need to help them prevent that from being the case in their own lives. Why? Because these folks will get to the point where they start heaping. They add on teacher after teacher after teacher. What does this person say? And what does this person say? And what does this person say? They'll select teachers according to their own lusts. So according to their own bondage of sin, they'll begin to 
select teachers. Well, what does this one say? I like how he makes me feel. That one makes me feel all right. I can keep doing what I'm doing, and I, I, don't have to, I don't have to get rid of this in my life. And so the apostle foresees a time, as one author says, a time when the people will show a positive distaste for health-giving teaching. They will willfully turn away from those who teach the truth of God's word. Their ears will itch for doctrines that are pleasing and comfortable. To satisfy their lusts for novel and gratifying doctrine, they will accumulate a group of teachers who will teach them what they want to hear. What they want to hear. And we're hearing that all over today. We're seeing that happen. Well, I, I want to go to a place that, that's comfortable. It doesn't have any offensive, uh, offensive preaching. It's, it's comfortable. Oh, how we need to be so careful about that. And Timothy's job was to preach the word so as to prevent that from happening in the believer's lives. When sin, when lust is not dealt with in our lives, you know what the propensity, if we allow that to keep on going, is to find a teacher to find someone who agrees with where we are, or at least won't confront it. Timothy was to preach the word so they didn't get to that point. Billy Sunday, I grew up in the, the hometown of Billy Sunday. Have any of you been through the Billy Sunday home? Okay, um, there in Winona Lake. Uh, it's still there. Uh, what about the tabernacle? Any of the Billy Sunday tabernacles? The Sawdust Trail? See, he's a preacher from days gone by. And they said when he came to town, bars would shut down, right? Pretty amazing. And a lot of people criticized, you know, he was a pretty theatrical preacher. But uh, it was known to throw chairs and break chairs on the platform. And, you know, he was a pretty, pretty interesting man, Brother Grant, to, to, uh, to, to watch preach. But he says this, the backslider likes the preaching that wouldn't hit the side of a house. While real, a real disciple is delighted when the truth brings him to his knees. Let's be that type of church, friends. God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to convince me, convict me with your truth. I want you to speak your truth to me. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. And, and really, if I could just, I don't know, warn us, uh, make sure that we're alert to this. If we begin to reject the truth of God's word as it's given to us in preaching or in the word of God, We'll begin to, we'll begin to uh, seek another way. We'll go out and find other people, churches, pastors who agree with our position. Where we can be comfortable where we are and we don't have to change. So either we're going to change or we're going to find someone who goes along with us. That's often the case. It happens over and over. And we have to be really careful about that. You might find 100 teachers who agree with you and your place in life, and your particular issues. You might find 100 people who say, it's all right. But the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and there will be one teacher, his name is Jesus Christ, who's going to call us into account. And it better, it'd be better if we get right with God right now and, and live according to his word and get confronted with his word right now than when it's too late and we're standing before him and says, why didn't you obey my word? Are you with me on that? Like, we need the confrontation. I need that. I personally need the confrontation of his word right now. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we're going to stand before him one day. So let's not run off and find a, a person who agrees with us. Let's make sure that we agree with the word of God. Get our lives in line. But notice this. It'll also prevent against the defection from the truth. Those that reject and begin to heap to themselves. Literally that word heap is the idea to stack up. Which is a kind of an amazing thought to me. Because when I am, I am dead set at staying in the place I am. I'm not going to get right. I'm not going to deal with this issue. You begin to heap up. Who, who is, you, it's amazing what people will do to try to, to, try to you know, shirk uh, the conviction of, of God's spirit when he's saying, hey, get this right. So they heap to themselves. And if that's happening, what's, what's going to happen? They're going to defect from the truth. So ultimately, the reason Timothy was to make sure that he's preaching the word and, and being faithful in this is to help people not defect from the truth. He says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Uh, turn away is what you think, to reject. To actively turn away. This is a decision of their heart. They're going to turn away. Because they've rejected and neglected the truth of God's word, the authority of God's word in their life, they have turned away. What did they turn away? Friends, help me. What does it say there? What did they turn away? Their, their, their ears. Now, I want you to catch this. Catch this. 
it's their ears that they're turning away. They literally stop being in the place, the place and around the people that remind them of the truth. You know, I'm just not going to go to that church. I'm not going to spend time around that, that believer. They always ask me some questions that, that convict me. I'm not going to spend time with my parents anymore because, because they always bring up the things that they taught me. You understand what I'm saying? And so they, they withhold themselves. They withdraw themselves. They withdraw. I don't want to hear it. Just because you don't hear it doesn't mean it's not true. And so they withdraw themselves. They turn away their ears. It's like the, it's like the rebellious little two-year-old that goes like this. I don't hear anything. That's exactly what's going on. So they've neglected the truth. They've said no to God. They've, I'm not going to receive that. I don't believe that. And, and they've rejected the truth. And, and it eventually leads to the, 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 the turning away their ears from the truth. And what happens then? Look at your verse. What happens then? They turn to fables. Friends, you cannot remain neutral when you're rejecting the truth. It's not that I get to stand still. It's not that I get to, I'm in the ocean. I was going forward. I don't like on the way forward anymore, so I'm going to drop the anchor and I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. No, it's not like that. You do not stay in a neutral position when you're rejecting the truth. If you begin to turn away your ears, I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't like the word of God. I don't like the preaching. Friends, this is why we need to be mindful of this right now because we could all, in a year from now, we, every one of us has the propensity to turn our, our ears away from the truth. If we begin to allow lust to build up in our lives, not deal with it, we begin to heap teachers to ourselves that agree with our position, and then we begin to turn away our ears from the truth, and then we turn to fables, lies, error. That's the progression. Why was Timothy to preach? To prevent that from happening in the believer's lives. Why do I need to preach on a Sunday night? Because I want to prevent this from happening in all of our lives. We have to. So very important. And so you don't remain neutral. Refusing truth will automatically cause you at some point along the line to begin embracing lies. So you're either for the truth or you're for lies. You don't have it both ways. And so Timothy was to accomplish this, preach the word in, in Ephesus. He was to be faithful in his business as a called man of God to communicate the word of God to those people. And today we're in a desperate, desperate hour, are we not? And the church needs the word of God. Something that has stirred my heart is a book by the, by the title, The Voice of the Prophet, uh, written by or compiled from the works of A.W. Tozer, how many of you have read some of A.W. Tozer's stuff? Fantastic. And um, something that grabbed my attention a while back, uh, God used him for more than 44 years in ministry. Uh, he died in the year 1963, uh, so right in that, that great time of our country's history, right? Um, but Tozer felt, and this is what he felt at that time, he felt that the church was on a dangerous course towards compromising with worldly concerns. If that was his feeling then, what do you think you'd think about today? It's, it's, it's a mess. But what was it that made Tozer, even to this day, uh, so many people more than 40, uh, 50 years later still reading his books, listening to his sermons, uh, what made his ministry so impactful? And, you know, we can look back into Scripture and see the examples of a Timothy and a Paul, and, and, and they are the ones that God wants us to see. But there's modern, there, are, there are people in the not-so-distant past, and yes, people in the modern time, but not-so-distant past that embodied, embodied this type of thinking. That from their heart says, God, just make me that voice for you. Allow me to, to be anointed by your Spirit to declare your word to people to help them not not get on that, that slope of, of, of being settled in their lust and then heaping to their, themselves teachers having itching ears and then turning away their ears from the, from the truth and embracing error. Help me, Lord, to, to be that one that stirs them up. And, and Tozer was that type of individual. And at the risk of, uh, of reading something long, I'll read something long. Um, because I, I think it would be worth, worth you understanding. Tozer, on the eve of his ordination... Um, ordination is not, not calling somebody to the ministry. Ordination is affirming God's call. 
All right? Are you all with me on that? When I was ordained, they asked the question, uh, they asked the question, what if we don't ordain you? I'm going to go preach anyway because that's what God has called me to do. Right? So that, 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 so ordination is not, is not the call. It is the affirmation of it. And so on the eve of his ordination, he wrote down a prayer, a covenant to the Lord that he was known to have carried with him, the only sheet of paper that he carried with him and reminded of himself often. And uh, it was a covenant to the Lord as a minister of the gospel, as a preacher of the gospel. And I want you to hear this and just, and just consider it. And then also, as you hear it, we need to be praying for our pastors, right? Because there is, there is a pressure that is upon, upon them that, I'm sorry, I, sometimes I've felt bad about this. You know, I, sometimes you, you think, well, you know, certainly I'm not the only one that feels the, the pressure. The pastor really isn't a unique, a unique position. It, it really is. There is no other way to put it. That's not self-serving to say that. It's just a unique calling. And you might not understand all the pressures that a, pas- a pastor will face, but I do encourage you to pray. Pray that there is a faithfulness to the word. And we need to pray for the pastors in our city, and we need to pray for the pastors in our country and around the world. We need to pray, um, pray for that, but we also need to pray for the ones upcoming because, boy, do we desperately need pastors. And so as you, as, you, as you hear this, I want you to catch the heart of Tozer, a man that really embodied uh, what, what we've discussed tonight. He said this, he wrote this down to the Lord. O Lord, I've heard thy voice and, I, and was afraid. Thou hast called me to an awesome task in a grave and perilous hour. Thou art about to shake all the nations and the earth and also the heaven that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. O Lord, our Lord, thou hast stopped to honor me to be thy servant. No man takes this honor upon himself, save he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Thou hast ordained me, thy messenger, to them that are stubborn of heart and hard of hearing. They have rejected thee, the master, and it is not to be expected that they will receive me, thy servant. My God, I shall not waste time deploring my weaknesses or my unfitness for the work. The responsibility is not mine, but thine. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode, and we look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church Podcast.